The first time I visited <clears throat> Romanov Orphanage in Ukraine, I was told it was going to be a very difficult time. I didn't realize how difficult it was going to be. I've spoken about this before, but uh, Romanov Orphanage is an orphanage for boys and young men with disabilities. And in Ukraine, which, you know, was a, a post-Soviet country, uh, when I first visited in like the, like 2009-ish, when I was like 26, uh, the, the, the general sense in most of the country was that people with disabilities, we don't really know what to do with them, so we're just going to kind of tuck them away and institutionalize them. This was a very normal thing, and uh, Romanov Orphanage was, was that state or oblast that uh, state's institution for boys and men with disabilities. Well, I don't think I had any idea what I was about to walk into when I first visited because uh, the, the, the place itself, even though it had already come quite a long way in the years since Mission to Ukraine was working with them, uh, it was a horrible place. I mean, we're talking, uh, the, the, the smell of the place was, made me want to gag. It was, it was awful. I, my, my first image when I walked into this very overcrowded room was of dozens of boys scattered around this room, uh, just completely, there were like two caretakers for 80 boys, and they were just scattered around the room. One was banging his head against the wall, another was standing in a puddle of his own urine. I froze. I froze. It was horrifying. But I'll never forget what happened in that same moment as I'm standing at the doorway frozen. The staff and the volunteers for Mission to Ukraine swept around me like a river. They came right into the room and started sweeping the boys up into big hugs and started teaching the boys and caring for the boys and talking tenderly to the boys. I didn't know what to do with that experience. But I'll tell you, the thing that shocked me the most was not the squalid conditions. Uh, the thing that shocked me the most was not to see all of these, these young men who seemingly had been abandoned by the world. The thing that shocked me the most, the thing that was the most jarring for me, was the joy of my friends for Mission to Ukraine. I couldn't understand it. The entire way down, it was like an hour drive from Zhitomer, the entire drive there, my, my, these friends, these staff and volunteers from MTU, they were laughing and, and, and giddy. They were so excited to be going back to Romanov. The whole time we were there, they're, they're laughing and singing and playing with the boys with smiles on their face. And on the whole way back, everybody smelling like this place that we had just gone to. They were chattering excitedly about what they had just seen. And did you see the progress of this young man? Did you see what happened here? The whole way back, they couldn't stop talking. I was utterly devastated by what I had seen, and they were overjoyed. It made no sense whatsoever to me. What was I seeing? Makes absolutely no sense. Well, it took me a while. It took me a while to figure out the answer. At first, I just thought I had found some crazy people. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I thought that, the, that these, these, these people were extreme Christ followers, right? Like, like these are the, the Red Bull Christ followers, the extremists. That, that, I mean, I don't know. They had superhuman compassion. They had, they had mercy and endurance like no one had ever seen. I thought they were extreme. Maybe, maybe they're just weirdos. They're out on the, out the bleeding edge of the faith, you know, because nobody's that kind. Nobody likes going to a place like Ramana. I mean, except maybe Jesus himself, right? But nobody else. It's crazy. I thought that, that pretty much the only reason I could think of why they were able to make room in their hearts and their lives for in such a terrible place was because they were cut from a different kind of cloth than you and me, right? These are not ordinary people. That's what I thought. They're just naturally somehow more like Jesus. In time, though, 
I began to realize that I was wrong about that assumption. I was wrong. Frankly, I had it backwards. I had it backwards. What I came to understand in my time in Ukraine and my, my multiple times seeing that same scenario play out all around the world, I began to realize that my Christ-like friends in Ukraine didn't make room because they were naturally like Jesus. They were like Jesus because they made room. They were like Jesus because they made room. And I think the same thing can happen here. I think it can happen here. I think we, Grace Church, in in 2023 America, I think we can become more like Jesus if we make room. So that's what we're talking about all this month, and that's what we're talking about today. This is the second week of our sermon series called Make Room. And we're, we're talking, as Amy said, we're talking about one of our core values as a church. And here's how we define the value. Make room. We will become a spiritual family that doesn't look the same, think the same, talk the same, or have the same age or abilities. We will invite one another into full love and participation in the diverse and inclusive kingdom of God. Specifically in this series, we are talking about three ways that we make room. One of them, which we're talking about today and next week, is that we make room for people with disabilities. And then after that, we're going to talk about how we as a church make room for different cultures and ethnicities. And then after that, we are going to be talking about making room for different generations. Two weeks on each of those topics. I think it's going to be important. And my hope, my hope is that this series would really just be the beginning for all of us. That this would be the beginning of a new chapter for Grace Church as we look at how we can be a community that that puts these concepts into action for years to come. That's my hope. So let's get into it. Let's start today with asking this question. What does it look like to make room for people with disabilities? Before we do that, let me pray for us and then we'll get into it. Father God, we invite you into this time. We invite you into this space. Um, I pray, Father, that as we as we look at your word, as we as we listen for your voice, I pray that you would help us see the world the way you see it. And I pray that we as the church would have ears to hear how you would have us move and shape us and, and, and how, how you would want us to become so that we can love our world like Jesus. I pray as I teach and as all the other teachers teach throughout this series that we would just get out of the way, that we would disappear and that your Holy Spirit would remain. That's my prayer, Father, and that we would listen to what you have to say. I pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So last week, I introduced an idea that kind of, to me, is kind of a really big picture idea that helps set up the the whole series that we're in. And it's this. This idea goes in in the Bible from the very beginning all the way to the end. The idea that the kingdom of God, God's, God's kingdom, God's community, is both profoundly unified right? Unified, everyone worshiping one God and, and serving one God together, just unified, and yet at the same time is strikingly diverse. Everybody's bringing unique gifts and different, different uh, cultures to the table and one-of-a-kind perspectives. We all bring our uniqueness into that unity, and so it's, it's the goal, the vision of the people of God to be powerfully unified and strikingly diverse. Go back and watch last week if you don't know what I'm talking about. It's everywhere we look in Scripture, including what we're going to look at today where the Apostle Paul talks to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 4. So please grab a Bible with me and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, page 979. Um, 
This was a letter that Paul wrote. He did write it to the church in Ephesus, but really this was meant to be a circular level letter that was going to go to a whole bunch of churches in what is today Western Turkey. So don't think of this as talking necessarily to one small group of people, but this is Paul painting the picture of what the church should be like to a large number of smaller congregations. So here's what he says in Ephesians 4. Paul says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you, to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Okay, so let's stop here for a second. Again, you see that Paul is picking up on this thread that we talked about last week. He has his eye on both unity and diversity in the church. Stay united, he says. We are one, right? There's one body, one spirit, one God. And yet, he goes on, God has given each one of us within the church a special gift. We are diverse. We have unique things to contribute to the body. This is a theme that Paul touches on actually several times. We'll look at a couple examples in this series. But uh, for example, in Romans 12, he says, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. All right, you picking up what I'm saying here? One body, different gifts, unity, and diversity. So what are these gifts that he's talking about here? What does Paul, what does Paul mean by these gifts? Well, in, in these different places that he talks about this, he, he gives kind of different lists or, or ideas or examples of what these gifts could be. Things like being able to teach well, or being generous, unusually generous, or having a remarkable level of faith that goes beyond the norm. These are what we often call spiritual gifts. They're gifts given by the Spirit to us. Now, I'm not going to—that probably deserves an entire sermon series in itself. We'll probably go there someday. For now, I don't want to get into the details of spiritual gifts. What I'd rather do is focus on the idea that every one of us is given a unique mix of them. Does that make sense? I want to talk about the fact that each one of us has something unique to contribute to the body, to the church. And for today's purposes, I want to argue that when I say everybody, I mean everybody. I'm talking about including especially, perhaps, people with disabilities. So let's keep reading, and I'll I'll show you what I mean. Skip down to verse 13. Uh, Paul says, look, you know, we we pursue unity. We, We each have different gifts, the diversity of gifts. And then he says this, This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. 
Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So, okay, the goal here, according to Paul, is that the body, the church, would grow, right? What does a body do? It grows, it grows up, it becomes healthy, becomes mature. Or as he says in verse 13, that we collectively would measure up, measure up to the standard of Christ. In other words, that we would look like him, right? We would measure up to him. We would, we, in the way we act, in the way we think, in the way we love, that we would measure up to our Savior. And that, right there, that is where our unique gifts and contributions come into play. Verse 16, he says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. The body will not be mature, will not grow up. We will not measure up to Christ until every one of us is using the gifts that he gave us. Every one of us. Everyone. And that includes the gifts that he has given to our brothers and our sisters with disabilities. Bottom line, if we want to grow as a church, as a community, as the body of Christ, then we have got to make room for the gifts of everybody. Now, again, that applies to all kinds of spiritual gifts. Everything from, you know, uh, faith to generosity, all the stuff I mentioned, it applies to all of that. But I want to talk specifically about how that idea of making room for all gifts, how that applies specifically to disabilities. It's important. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three reasons why this is the case, okay? Why this is true. Number one, reason number one, making room will unlock the full potential of this community. I mean, first of all, we have some very gifted people with disabilities in our midst. I, I give you a few examples. We've got uh, people like Stephen, who is, who is in a wheelchair, one of our prayer warriors. We, we are better because he serves. Uh, to Taylor, one of our Merge uh, high school small group leaders who's blind. To Daniela, I think Daniela's here. Hi, Daniela. She's back there. Daniela, uh, you've seen her up here worshiping and leading us with joy and, and abandon. She's beautiful. She, she has, uh, has Down syndrome and she is a gift to this church. Each one of these people is using their gifts to make us as a body stronger. Our, our video engineer backstage right now today is, is uh, Molly McGeehan. Molly, who has, has cerebral palsy, she volunteers uh, on the production team. She's also a, a volunteer through the week at our front desk at Grace. And let me tell you, Molly is like hands down the most kind, gentle, warm, lovely person that you've ever met. Sometimes I'll just walk down the hall and if she's there, we'll just have a conversation because it makes my life better to know Molly. If you get a chance to talk to Molly, she will brighten your day. She's a gift. She's a gift. But making room, making sure that all of these gifts are coming into play, sometimes it takes a little bit of extra work. Jesus is here, and I see Jesus back there. How you doing, man? Jesus is one of our rock star production volunteers as well. You may not know this, Jesus helped run the lights for our Christmas Eve service. He's awesome. Jesus also has cerebral palsy, and as a result, he's in a wheelchair, and 
we come to find out our production booth was not designed with wheelchair accessibility in mind. So we've got to make a little bit of extra effort for Jesus to be able to serve, but we do because we want him to use his gifts. And by the way, my hope and my prayer is that someday we'll be able to have the resources that we need to either, I don't know, put in a lift or, or redo our production booth at ground level so that there are no barriers for people like Jesus to serve. Those are the things that we think about, the things that we care about, even though it takes a bit of extra effort. Our, our friends with special needs have gifts to offer. But here's what I want to I talk about next, though. This is easy to imagine when you've got someone like, like a Molly or a, or a Jesus who have practical gifts and practical skills they can offer. But what about those that the world would say maybe don't have a whole lot to offer? What about people who, who have per, maybe more profound disabilities or special needs that don't really have a lot to, uh, to give the community in more, more traditional ways? Do they have gifts? I would say the answer is absolutely yes. Absolutely, they do. They have also been given gifts by God, which are designed to help the body grow. That's true. And we need to make room for those gifts if we want to become, as Paul says, healthy and growing and full of love. I'll give you an example. A few years ago, before COVID, we had uh, these three uh, adults with disabilities who were from a local group home, and then one of their caretakers would bring them here on a Sunday morning just to kind of get them out of the house. And I'll tell you what, they loved worship because when the worship music would start, they would all just get up and just dance and boogie, and they were, they were just like spinning around and clapping and having a great time, okay? They, they didn't have any inhibitions whatsoever. And I know, because people have told me that I'm not the only person who saw them worshiping and thought— what am I doing being so afraid to even like put up my hand in worship, right? I'm like, dear Jesus. I'm like, well, come on. Like they're dancing, they're having their, they're dancing with abandon and I'm sitting here just wrapped in insecurity. It's ridiculous. They were a gift as I watched them worship. They helped me worship more freely. And specifically, there's one moment I will never forget. They were over here uh, during baptisms one day and I happened to be standing right next to them, wel you know, welcoming people who were going to come get baptized and worship music started and guess what? They started dancing and I'm standing right next to them and I found myself dancing with them. Guys, dancing is my my, like greatest fear in life. Right, public dancing is the thing that I lose sleep over more than anything else. I hate it. And there I was dancing before the Lord in worship. What a gift. What a gift to be led into the presence of God by people who the world would say don't have much to offer. Yes, they do. They are a gift. And I could go on and on about the number of people that I've encountered in my life that don't have much to offer by the world's standards, but who have shaped me and have shaped the church in powerful ways. But that only happens if we make room for them. It only happens. We will not reach our full potential. I don't believe we will reach our full potential. We're not gonna measure up to the standard of Christ until everyone until everyone is making use of the gifts that God has given them. Okay? That's reason number one. Reason number two, making room helps keep us rooted in the truth. Rooted in the truth. In verse 14, uh, Paul says, if, if we're using our gifts as a community and maturing in Christ, 
then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every new wind of, of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Now, again, this is, this is true about all the gifts that God has given us. We need uh, spirit-led teaching, right, to stay rooted in the truth. We need people with the gift of prophecy to be able to speak the truth and help us know what is, what, how God feels about uh, what, we're, what we're doing and what we're seeing. We need people who have the gift of faith to remind us that God is on the move. All of that is true for all of the gifts. But it is also true that people with disabilities, the gifts that God has given them, will keep us rooted in the truth. In 1930s Germany, in 1930s Germany, a new wind of teaching was blowing through Europe. It was this new wind of teaching, the idea that society as a whole could somehow develop the superman, the master race, right? This was, a, this, was this new idea, and I wish this wasn't true. I wish this wasn't true, but many within the German church, which had long been a leader in theology across the world, many within the German church got caught up with this wind of new teaching, with this new idea. They were captivated by this idea of progress and perfection. And some even tied it into the gospel itself. Yeah, becoming perfect in Jesus. They were tricked by lies so clever that they sounded like the truth, which is why when German authorities started forcibly sterilizing people with learning disabilities, with, with uh, deformities, with mental illness, and when a few years later they began to systematically murder upwards of 275,000 people with disabilities, the church in Germany stood by, largely stood by and did nothing with just a few exceptions. They did not measure up to the standard of Christ. They were not strong. They were immature and they were swept away. Now, we might think, yeah, that's awful. Good thing in our modern world, we're never caught up with, with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Are we really so different? Are we so different? Look at your TV, look at your phone for just a second. We live in a culture that values beauty, and fame, and health, and intelligence, and success, and power, and effectiveness. You honestly want to tell me that you're never, you're never caught up in those kinds of ideas? I know I am. Making room for people with disabilities, listening to their voice, cherishing their gifts, elevating their importance in our midst. That is when we can stay rooted in the truth that stands against the lies of our culture. And what truth is that? I'll tell you that truth. The truth that the last will be first, that the first will be last. The truth that God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. The kingdom of God belongs to those who are like children. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The truth that God chose the things of this world that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all. And he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. That is the truth that we stand on. Making room, making room for people with disabilities, doing the hard work of self-giving love. That is what will help us keep our priorities in line. That is when we will start to measure up to Christ. 
and how we will stand strong when the hurricane winds of our culture start to blow. Making room unlocks the full potential of this community. Making room helps keep us rooted in the truth. Finally, reason number three, making room helps us care about what Jesus cares about. And this brings me back to my friends at Mission to Ukraine, right? The crazy people. That's what I thought at first. I thought they were crazy. Maybe they were cut from some special kind of cloth. Nobody's that compassionate, right? But what I began to notice in them, because I started to notice it in myself, is that the more time they spent investing in children with special needs, the more time they, they spent patiently encouraging a child to do a very simple task, the more time that they spent their, 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 their energy and their, their health and their safety wiping chins and hugging uh, these boys at Ramada, getting their own clothes dirty, the more time they spent seeing these children not as objects, not as objects, but as human beings made in the image of God, beloved by their creator and worthy of love. The more time they spent doing that, the more their compassion grew. Guys, their compassion was an outcome, not a cause. And all they did, all they did to start on this journey of self-giving love was say yes, yes, when the Holy Spirit asked them to step out into their discomfort. That's where it began. They made room in their hearts, in their lives, in their time. They made room for people with disabilities and it transformed them to start seeing the world a bit more like Jesus sees it. That is how you get a group of crazy Christ followers laughing and excited on their way to a terrible place like Romanov. That's how that happens. They didn't make room because they were like Jesus. They became like Jesus because they made room. Making room for people with disabilities will help us care about what Jesus cares about. And guys, I want that for grace. I want that for Grace Church. I want people to think that we're crazy for being so loving and compassionate. I want our neighbors to see us excited and joyful as we wade into the brokenness of our world. I want them to scratch their heads and think, what has gotten into those people? I, I dream of a day. I dream of a day when people with disabilities will be using their, gift, their gifts all across Grace Church. When it is so common to encounter a person with disabilities thriving in their uniqueness here that we don't even bat an eye. People say, wow, that's different. And we'll say, is it? Oh, I guess you're right. It is. I want that to happen here. That's when we will be strong. That's when we will measure up to Christ. As each part does its own special work, Paul said. Paul says, it helps the other parts grow so that, so that the whole body is growing and healthy and full of love. Grace Church, we are off to a great start. We really are. We really are. But this journey has only just begun. Now is the time for us to step up, to open our hearts, and to discover what it really means to make room. Let's pray. Well, God, I don't know why this is so, why it seems so surprising and so shocking. It's, it's exactly what, what your son Jesus showed us. He spent time with the last and the lost and the least and those that the world considers unimportant. That's who he elevated. It's an upside down kingdom. Father, let us not so quickly lose sight of the community that Jesus has called us to build. 
I pray, Father, that in the days ahead, as we humbly and perhaps feebly try to become a community that that resembles what you've called us to, would you give us the strength and the courage to say yes when the discomfort comes? Would you allow us to wade into that? Would you allow us to start putting some skin in the game to make changes that would make it even more of an accessible, welcoming uh, place for people with disabilities? And Father, would you even now begin giving us glimpses of how the gifts of all are leading to us becoming a stronger, mature, healthy body? Father, we want to be a church that resembles the unified and diverse kingdom that you have called us to build. So Father, thank you. Give us your Holy Spirit because we can't do this on our own. We trust in you. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.